shine forth. You dwells between the cherubim, shine forth. You dwells between the cherubim, shine forth. You dwells between the cherubim, shine forth. But don't pray, Pastor James, except anybody has any other prayer they want us to pray. Yes, uh, does anyone have any prayer point today? Praise God. Hallelujah, somebody. Hallelujah. Uh, today is going to be, I know we already make it interactive, but it's going to be even more so. Um, I'm going to, at any point in time, uh, welcome uh, questions uh, as we go through. We started with the book of Philippians uh, last week. Uh, we're going to continue uh, on that light, in that direction. But I know that um, uh, we're going to go a bit deeper today, if the Lord will permit us. Uh, especially in Ephesians, uh, Philippians chapter 2, you are beginning to access the, uh, the meekness, the humility the, uh, of the Lord Jesus Christ, the attitude of obedience of the Lord Jesus Christ. So I'll just uh, want to um, uh, encourage us, uh, uh, encourage us uh, that if you have questions as we move for, forward, uh, just feel free to ask. And clarify, like you know, we're we're doing this every every week, so uh, I'm in no rush. Uh, I want you to understand. Uh, that's the the greatest uh, thing. But we're about to hit. You know, uh, when you're journeying in life, there are mountains, there are peaks, and there are valleys. Uh, Philippians chapter two is a peak. Amen. <laughs> it's a high place. Amen. Uh, that it will take the mercy of God uh, for us to come into the understanding and obedience of it. Praise the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Let's open our Bibles then. Philippians chapter 1. We'll read a bit further in Philippians chapter 1. And we'll go into chapter 2. I'm trusting God today will be a very terrible blessing. An awesome blessing in our lives. Uh, You know, sometimes what blesses us the most, if to your flesh, is not a blessing. Right? Uh, to your nature is not a blessing. But I can tell you, I don't know how to explain it fully. The God will still need to give me utterance. But I kid you not, that putting on Christ, putting on the attributes of God, are blessings. I kid you not. They are blessings. They make you stronger on the inside. It's inside. It's an inside thing. That's one, one thing with Christianity, with when you're accessing the depths of Christ. Amen. You know, clearly the Bible says that out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Not so. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So, when you are accessing uh, what the, the words of Jesus Christ, the revelation of Christ, what are you accessing? You are, you, are, you are accessing from His inside. Praise the name of the Lord. You are accessing from His inside. Amen. And once you are accessing from inside, it means you are accessing depths. Not surface, you're accessing depth. And it means that when that thing that was in his inside 
through the medium of preaching, comes into your inside. Praise the name of the Lord. Comes into your inside. Sometimes it's difficult to utter how you are being blessed. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> because you can, you can feel it on the inside. Do you get me? You can feel it on the inside, but you can't you can't Google, you can't go on your bank account and show it sometimes. Do you get me? And that's the problem. So in the enduring the process of the ministration of Christ is a difficult sell. Why? Because it's stuff that happens on the inside. And men like things that they see on the outward. Amen. I was so blessed. They did uh it's not even my birthday yet, it's on Tuesday, but they did a surprise birthday for me uh on Friday night. And what blessed me the most, you know, and it was awesome was people were sharing testimonies. Just sharing testimonies of the fellowship, the ministry, maybe how I've blessed them, or if I've blessed them, you know, things like that. And I was wondering, I was like, ah, ah oh, one person did all these things. <laughs> I was not wondering, really? I was, I was shocked. I was taken aback. I was, I was wondering, so, so people are being blessed. People are actually being blessed. You don't see it. You don't normally, would. you won't just see, like, you know, when you see, you won't just see, people are getting healed. Things are happening to people. Like people are having life-changing experiences as a result of just the word. Just hearing the word. Amen. Just hearing the word, but you won't be able to physically just put everything together and say this thing is a blessing, because the blessing happens much more inside than on the outside. Amen. Praise God. So we're going to enjoy it today by the grace of God. We're going through the epistles again. Uh, so we are still in Philippians. We're in Philippians chapter one. Philippians chapter 1, verse, I'll start from 10. That ye may approve things that are excellent, that ye may be sincere without offense till the day of Christ, being filled with the fruits of righteousness, which are by Jesus Christ, unto the glory and praise of God. But I would ye should understand, brethren, that the things which happened unto me have fallen out rather unto the furtherance of the gospel, so that my bonds in Christ are manifest in all the palace and in all the places. And many of the brethren in the Lord, waxing confident by my bonds, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Some indeed preach Christ, even of envy and strife, and some also of goodwill. The one preach Christ of contention, not sincerely, supposing to add affliction to my bonds, but the other of love, knowing that I am set for the defense of the gospel. What then, notwithstanding, every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is preached, and I daring do rejoice, yea, and we rejoice. Now, <laughs> there's a wisdom of God in, in this arrangement here. There's, you know, there's one thing about men, is that generally... Most men don't like to go into something that is not proven. Or most men will be watching somebody who is doing something. They like what the person is doing, though. 
but they don't want to do it yet because the thing is not, they are not sure. <laughs> they, so they are being safe. So many people were watching Paul. They were watching him, he was preaching. They were coming for him from afar. When they now arrested Paul, they wanted to, they're not watching to see how he responded in his bonds. Ah, he's still preaching and he was bound. Then confidence came. It means that this thing won't die by the imprisonment. Praise God. Confidence. Confidence came into them. Praise the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. Amen. So it, it means that God also knows men. And God used Paul's bonds to prove to men that the gospel is without borders, is without barrier, without restriction, or without bonds. It means that the gospel can continue past imprisonment. Amen? That the gospel can continue past a man being bound. Because most men, when they imprison them, because of what they are saying, they will shut up. This, this, it, it works every single time. Mandela is case an example. And so, so for some reason, they, maybe the, 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 white, the white men in the Caucasians in South Africa thought, put Mandela in jail, the whole apartheid movement will shut down. But they put him in jail. What happened to the movement? It increased. <laughs> it's the wisdom that always works. There's something about man. That when man sees that somebody is standing his ground, either in bonds, there are two ways, rich or poor. Either in bonds, or let's say, for example, you are first poor, you are preaching the gospel. Then you now hit, you now hammer. That's also another example. You know when they do marriage, for better or for worse. So there are two ways to test some, somebody. Most people, when they hammer, they will, they get me, they will calm down. <laughs> If they were going on the mountain every month for one week prayer and fasting. And reason because there was no food anyway, so you might as well just use it well. Do you get to <laughs> But now that they are rich, the, the thing will reduce. That's the, that's the normal expectation. And over time, people will adjust their, uh, their energy level, their uh, commitment to God's thing. So whatever it is they are committed to, when they are bound... Or when they, or when they prosper beyond their normal level, they have to change. Is the psychological wisdom of, of, of in this world of men? So God strategically allowed Paul to be bound, and show everybody who was watching him in Rome that this Christianity is not just a short term thing. It can be killed by bounds. It can be killed by chains. Now, in fact, when you change somebody, energy would increase, grace would increase, utterance would increase, revelation would increase. Praise the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. Amen. So, that was the gist of Paul there about how God, it was an explanation of God's wisdom, extracting out of Paul's bonds, the prosperity of the gospel. Amen? Extracting out of Paul's bonds the prosperity of the gospel. Now, it should tell you one thing about God. God will use, God will use anything to save 
as many people as possible. Amen. I'm just teaching wisdom now. We're still in the line of Philippians. Let me give you an example. Um, from where we come from, poverty. Do you get originally? Yeah, you look back 50 years, 40 years ago. Great deep poverty. So, how does God want to save such people? When you, some people take up the gospel, God will prosper them. They get me. So, so all everybody will now be watching them. Ah, Baba, Baba, care. Living face me, I face you. Just two years ago, he has now bought a house. He's now a pastor. Did you know? Before you know it, everybody will say, "Wow!" And they will now be coming to Jesus. They will come. They will going to. They will coming to church. In the Roman Empire, it was it had to be the opposite. In the Roman Empire, the Romans were the gods. They were the ones who were rich. They were the ones who were on top. They are the ones who were in control. So how did God have to reach them? God now had to reach them from below. God has to go to the opposite. So somebody can be in bound. Somebody can be in prison. And still stand for what he believes in. It was an attraction. So God uses the opposite of the standard of society to attract others. Amen? For salvation. So here in this Philippians chapter 1 that we're just reading, these portions, you are seeing... Paul describing how God takes advantage for salvation's sake. So what does that mean? It means God wants to save. And he will try whatever means as necessary to save as many people as he possibly can. Amen? Uh, using And what he first looks for, he's looking for first fruits. He's looking for we, us. Who would either be in bond or abase, as Paul would say, I'm ready to abase, I'm ready to abound. Whichever one God likes to use, amen, for the hour of salvation in such a place, amen. So let me continue. Now verse, that was verse 18, now verse 19. He says, for I know that this shall turn to my salvation through your prayer and the supply of the spirit of Jesus Christ. According to my earnest expectation and my hope, that in nothing I shall be ashamed, but that with all boldness as always, so now also Christ shall be magnified in my body, whether it be by life or by death. For to me, for to me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. For to me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. But if I live in the flesh, this is the fruit of my labor. Yet what shall I choose? What I shall choose, I would not. For I am in a strait between the two. Having a desire to be depart and to be with Christ, which is far better, meaning for him. Nevertheless, to abide in the flesh is more needful for you. Look at the conversation of a man. Check out the conversation of a man. That the only reason I need to even be alive is for Christ. Check out the conversation of a man. This is a man whose heart really is there. Many of us, our heart is still somewhere here. Do you get me? How would I use and explain this now? Let me say, for example, maybe back home, maybe your parents were rich. Amen. You had a nice place, a nice house. Fenced, everything was living in maybe wherever, Lekki, all those banana islands, all nice places. And all of a sudden, you had to go to Kogi State for NYSE. 
to go and serve for one year. You'll be saying the same thing Paul is saying. I'm here just because of to live in Christ. <laughs> just because the NYSE. But to die, meaning to go back home, is gain. If you leave it for me, it is better for me to go back home. But the reason why I'm here is because I want to finish NYSE so I can start my career. So it means... But some people will go for to go get Satan because maybe they are come from a poor family. <laughs> they, they will be enjoying the little money the Nigerian government is giving them and they want to host this day in Kogi State. <laughs> Amen? But, be, but many times, do you know, your parents can be rich or poor depending on how you view it in your eyes. Amen? Your parents, maybe... Maybe you, maybe you is in you did your NYC in Abuja instead. Though you lived in Lekki, you guys had a nice duplex. But when you enter Abuja and see some of the mega things that people are doing there, houses, you will now be saying, "I maybe I should stay in Abuja." <laughs> Amen. But now this is what it is. It Paul had a revelation of how rich his father was. How rich God is. He's always gained to go back to God. Now, for some of us, it's not yet gained. We still prefer to be on earth. And why we prefer to be on earth is not because we want to preach Christ. We prefer to be on earth because we still want to marry. We still want to have cars. We still want to enjoy life. Maybe at least fly one jet once in your life. And then you can now discuss whether you want to go to heaven. What does that tell you? It means that to you, earth is richer than heaven. <laughs> it means that somewhere to you, this present place, whatever enjoyment you are enjoying here on it, you want to enjoy it first because the enjoyment here is better than what your father can provide you when you go there. You know, some Christians, that's how they view it. That's because lack of understanding. If you understand the, the riches of your father, of your God, the one who called those things that be not, as though they were. God is so rich that he doesn't need to give you everything now. In fact, because he's so rich, he, he by, this law is by faith, so he does not just give you everything now. But I bet you, I can assure you that anything you need, I say need though, not lost for, uh -huh. he will provide. He has been providing, he will continue to provide. When you need it to, at the hour you need it. See, in my, you know, one of, the, my, one of my most favorite scriptures of the Psalms, in the book of Psalms, is that's PhD, I call it PhD thesis research that David did. I have been young, now I am old. This is decades of research. Not you know when we go to school, four years, two year, two year thesis. You now think you've done something. <laughs> David did research for forty years. Forty years. I've been young, now I'm old. Taking data of righteous men, not just of them, of their children. And their children's children. Oh. Collecting data. Compiling the data. 
I'm sure in some of the data, some of them were close to being being disgraced. But you just you just always find out that in the last hour, before they are disgraced, God will show up. God was always shocking David. <laughs> He's like, okay, this one, this one, ah, no, there's nothing, nothing can happen. This one's case will be bad. God will show up on the next day. So by the time David was now old, he now came to a conclusion. If I have given God enough, I've given enough times. I'm if I, it's almost like David was on the other side of the argument, trying to prove that a righteous man can be forsaken. That's why the thing was very long. The thesis. <laughs> but he, after a while, he gave up on his conclusion. He gave up. And he concluded that I am yet, I'm young, I've been young now, I'm old, I am yet to see a righteous man forsaken. In addition, nor his seed. That seed refers to his generations, not just his children. Do you get me? A man's seed is not just my immediate children. A man's seed is that gen- genetic flow. The genetic flow of a righteous man onto the fourth generation. No, a seed begging for bread. That's a serious thesist PhD thesis. Certified. And for the few years I've been man- I've been managing some people, <laughs> Do you know, I can also say the same statement. And I know why, because I know some of them, they went through all manners of things. That will me, I will now give up, because there's a limit to what I can do. But somehow, I don't know how, somehow, not one day has anyone gone without food, Without shelter, without clothes, and even school fees, God will somehow provide yeah. every single time for every single person. So somewhere, I can also give the same testimony as a, just a little me. David did it for forty years. I just done it for seven years. Do you get me? But I can agree with David somewhere that if you are righteous, if you are following God. You will never be forsaken. It's not possible. Now, it's possible that some of your loss, you will not get it. But that's, that's a different equation. It's not the same thing as being forsaken. All your needs, you will never be put to shame in life. I pray for somebody here. Maybe there's something you are going through right now. You fear shame. I pray for you right now. The Lord will cover your shame. Amen. The Lord will visit you. And your family and all that concerns you and provision will come you will finish well that thing that you feel will kill you you will kill it amen. in the mighty name of jesus amen, amen. praise amen. the name of the lord can i continue um we are now in verse 24 philippians chapter 1 nevertheless to abide in the flesh is more needful for you what kind of man is this what kind of mind is this oh my god what kind of man is this? What kind of mind is this? It means that the reason why I'm alive is for your sake, to just be ministering to you, to serve you. If you, if I, if, for example, what Paul was saying essentially is that if you take people who are being blessed by him away from him, let's say they are okay, Paul says he has no reason to still be on earth. There's, no, there's really no other point to be on earth. What is he saying? 
that there is no other point to be on earth than to serve the living God. That's what he's saying. There is no other reason to be on earth than to serve the... So even now, if you really take that statement, everything else you begin to do, your school, your career is for service. What do I mean by that? Your career provision, even the, let's say just take the money, the finances. Amen? God's Amen. people should not suffer. Amen? It's not just for you alone. God's people should not suffer on your account. It means when you begin to calculate anything, all the thing that your life is, that you are laboring for every ambition that you are pursuing must be subject to service of God. I know questions will come. I'm ready. We'll be subject to what? Service of God. Because the reason in Him we live and move and have our being. And if that statement is true, it means that every dimension of life. Now, there are three major dimensions of a man's life on the earth. The first dimension is his family. The second dimension will be his ministry, maybe whatever he's serving, whatever capacity he's serving. And the third dimension will also be his career for financial provisions. Those are the three. Have I missed anyone? Those are the three major sections. Amen? That concerns life. Most of the other things is play. To watch movie, to have telos. That one is play. <laughs> Do you guess me? Those are add-ons. They are not really a major facet of life. The ones that really get people to turn to prayer is when career is not working. When family is not working. Or when ministry for ministers is not working. That's when there is fire on the mountain. And what Paul is saying is that those three areas should serve or give glory. Amen? To the living God. Praise the name of the Lord. Now, some people can mistake this to me. Oh, to give glory to Okay, that means I need to be excellent in, for example, my career, which is true, but for what purpose? I just thought so that I can give glory to God. But most people who are excellent in their career sometimes, nobody knows that they are a Christian. So what is the glory that God is getting inside? <laughs> what is the glory God is getting inside? That they are in their workplace, they are doing excellent, and they will say they are doing excellent because they want to give glory to God. Yet yeah, nobody in that office, nobody knows what you're Christian. You know, behave like so. So, what is the glory God is getting? So, when you say, okay, I want to be excellent in career to give glory to God. It must, when they are giving you recognition for your excellence, you must be able to be bold to say that is God, through God's help. That's one thing. But how much more, what God really, really wants from all those things, really, is for you to be able to invest in service. In the expansion of His work, of His kingdom. Praise God. It's just coming to me like that. 
Amen. Otherwise, to live is not only Christ. And for many people it's true. Some people will quote it. For to live is Christ. And to die is gain is a lie. <laughs> they get many things where they do. Where they are living for. And Christ is not inside. Christ is an add-on. An addition to what? To the other things. But what Paul is saying, to live is Christ. It means that every, everything else, every facet has to begin to work aligned. Has to begin to align with the purpose of propagating Christ. Amen. God will give us wisdom to understand some of these things. With the purpose of propagating Christ. With the purpose of propagating Christ. Now, one wisdom may not mean that you will have to begin to preach Christ at work. No. It doesn't mean that all the time. Sometimes God will give you an opportunity. Or sometimes by your behavior, just by your nature. I remember one of the places I used to work before, they just knew. I never told anybody I was a Christian I go to church. One of the, I think, managers one day, oh, it was a Friday evening. I just saying, oh, so are you going to church on Sunday? I was like, yes, how did you know? Like, I, didn't, I never spoke about it, but by nature. Sometimes you can tell, you know, when somebody who doesn't never says, everybody is saying F word, you are never, not once. You are not, you are not joining them in those vulgar talk. They begin, they begin to know. Am I communicating? You begin to become clear that there's something, and then when people approach me or we have a conversation, I'll bring it up. So I use wisdom there. Mm Mm-hmm. Sometimes it may even be in a place that God will just allow, okay, just be there. You don't have to even bring up you are a Christian because maybe the environment doesn't really allow it. That's okay. You can still give glory to God through your career, through your investment in God's service, in God's work. Amen. Praise God. Uh, Is that practical? How to live is to live is what? To live is Christ. To live is Christ. Uh, I'm about to enter, we're still about to enter the meat of the message. Amen. Uh, but to live is Christ. Are you seeing it practically? To live is Christ. It's, your life should be Christ centered. Amen. It's priority. Your life, this one thing that God taught me to build my life around Him rather than build Him into my life. To build my life around Him rather than build Him into my life. It takes a lot of faith to do that. To put God at the center and let everything else serve God. Am I making sense? To put God at the center. And let everything else serve God. It is it, a labor to get there, to be honest. Because, amen, in life we have many priorities, don't we? Many, many pressing priorities. But it's a labor to be able to always exalt God. One way of always exalting God is checking in with God. Amen. Checking in with God. One of the obvious ways to do that is through His Word. 
hearing his word, you begin to gain wisdom for living. Another most obvious way to do that is checking with the Holy Spirit. Amen. If something is overwhelming you, school, work, what's the first place you should go? Ask the Holy Spirit. Pray about it. That's one way. I don't know if I'm communicating. That's one way you are showing God that who is center, who is the Baba of this life. He is. Amen. There are some times, I remember when I was doing my master's program. And, you know, school, the many, many assignments, you know, maybe something is going due tomorrow. Then I, I decided it was just, I, it was almost like, I, I just went to, when I entered into the master's, because it was the Lord who led me to go and room, apply for the master's. So I, so I told him, I said, Holy Ghost, this one is your own, no. You know me, I did not send myself to this school. Yeah, the one that brought me here. So, let's do it together. So, I was always checking in whenever stuff was going on. So, sometimes I'll just find out how we'll be using wisdom. And later, I understood that there was a psychology around the wisdom. That sometimes I'll be so pressured. To, tomorrow, I have something major due. Then I'll go and ask the Holy Ghost, God, what do I do? How do I manage these things? Right? Do study all night. What? And he will sometimes, he will tell me, take a break. Go and look at another assignment. Look at another course. It may not be doing that tomorrow. It may be doing next week. And then, so, I'll just obey. I'll now start reading the other assignment or the other topic, the other um, class. And while I'm reading that other assignment, light, revelation is coming concerning the one that is due tomorrow. And I'll just give you a skill. A skill. There's a psychology behind that. Do you know when your mind is so worried about something, you can't really resolve properly? I don't know if I'm communicating. It's almost like what they call a mental block. Amen. Are we in the house together? Amen. I know most of you are on mute. Yeah, in the name of the Lord. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. 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 So, Amen. have you ever been through when you have like a mental block? You're just so stressed about something. You are so stressed about something and they meet him an exam. Do you know most times when you are so stressed about something, solutions, your mind is not thinking, resolving solutions. It's a mental block. So sometimes if you just do a distraction and go and look at something else for maybe an hour, two hours, what will happen is that your mind will still be resolving the original problem that you have not solved yet. Praise God. Amen. So can we continue? Let's see. So where are we? Verse uh, 25. And having this confidence, I know that I shall abide and continue with you all for your furtherance and joy of faith, that your rejoicing may be more abundant in Jesus Christ for me by my coming to you again. Only let your conversation be as it becometh the gospel of Christ. So, he's not talking about how this Christ should begin to change you and change your talk, your conversation. Let your conversation be as you become the gospel of Christ, that whether I come and see you or else be absent, I may hear of your affairs, that ye stand fast in one spirit. He's talking about unity in the spirit there. With one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. And in nothing, terrified 
by your adversaries, which is to them an evident token of perdition, but to you of salvation and that of God. For unto you it is given in the behalf of Christ, not only to believe on him, but also to suffer for his sake, having the same conflict which ye saw in me, and now here to be in me. Praise the name of the Lord, somebody. Now, chapter 2. Chapter 2 of Philippians. Verse 1. If there be therefore any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any bowels and mercies, fulfill ye my joy, that ye be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind, let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind, let each or each esteem other better than themselves. They are now teaching you the depth of Christ. This Philippians, he was going, he was zeroing in on the, on the foundation in Christ. The foundation in Christ is one of unity and meekness. One spirit. Then humility, esteeming the other. Esteeming, let, but in the lowliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. You know how I started this ministration? I said that many a times the blessings in Christ cannot tangible. Sometimes they cannot be uttered. But it is something that when you have it on the inside, you will know it. You will know why this is a blessing. One of such kind of blessings of Christ, which is the greatest blessing of Christ, is meekness and lowliness. But as I just said it now, do you see it as a blessing? No. No. But into, in the spirit, it's a beauty. That's what Peter said. Talking about a wife adorning herself on the inside. Adorning herself on the inside with what? With meekness, lowliness. So in the spirit, when God is checking beauty, meekness is beautiful. It means meekness is rich. Because one thing that is also beautiful is diamonds, gold. And they have what? <laughs> Amen. They have what? Meekness has great reward in the spirit. Has great what in the spirit? Let me now break a news to you. No man can please God or carry about God's purpose in their life without meekness. Why? All right, this is deep, but I'll try. Why? Because on the journey to, of destiny, on the journey of purpose, it takes time because it's faith and patience. It is, it is a process to it. All why you have an enemy trying to kill you, trying to provoke you. If you are not meek, before you get to the achieving of purpose, because sometimes to achieve purpose, you need helpers. First of all, if you are not meek, you would have first killed all your helpers. You would have frustrated out of anger. <laughs> Do you get me? So you will never get to the end of purpose. Why? Because meekness, when you're supposed to keep quiet in certain areas of life, you won't keep quiet. When you're supposed to go up low, even though somebody is bullying you or is proud or is mistreating you, 
But because if you fight back at that hour, you can spoil heaven agenda. You can spoil purpose. So it will take meekness to stay quiet and endure the pain. Endure the frustration. <laughs> because when you endure the frustration and pass over it, amen, you will come closer to purpose. But if you don't endure the frustration and pass over it, you will fight. And when you fight, you get stuck. <laughs> you will not be able to go closer to purpose. One thing is that one of the great blessings of the person of Christ that you begin to learn in Christ, long-suffering, patience, forbearing one another, forgiving one another, meekness, loneliness, those things are precious jewels. Why? Because those things stretch life. Those things enable us not to kill one another before God comes. Oh. Yes. Mm. <laughs> Without those things, by the time God comes, everybody has already killed each other. One by the time one person, yeah, when we got no gossip against Ope, then Ope now hears it from Lotena. Then Ope will now throw back her own bomb. <laughs> You see, before you know it, a little yeast, level at the old door, you begin to go from one place to another. Before you know it, like next Sunday, when we want to gather for a meeting, nobody will be here. Ew. That's why Christ. So if God wants to come maybe next Sunday, and we don't have Christ, by the time he comes on Sunday, we, by the last man would have died by Friday night. <laughs> Because of lack of Christ. Because of lack of meekness. You don't have to respond to everything. Every frustration. You don't have to get angry all the time. You don't have to keep malice. You don't have to all those things drag back. For example, when a man is keeping malice, by nature, Satan will help your thoughts now. You know how we think now. When you are keeping malice, Satan will come and support you. Yeah, hey. The guy, you see, the guy, he will rub it, the guy really did it. If I look at how he even now treated your wife even after, he finished oh. doing like that. So by the time you now, you see plans, schemes, your mind will begin to calculate how to respond, what to do, how to fire back. Oh. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm guilty. Ah. I'm very guilty, oh. Help me. I'm guilty because I mean, like you said, you know, you said we have like just three spheres in, in in a man's life, and I'm looking at this meekness now and my life in terms of family, mm. and I'm like, I don't think that mm. <laughs> I have been diligently meek or fulfilled yes. meekness. There are times that, to be honest, you know, I don't know if I'm even meek. I, like I've thrown that meekness away. Wow. At times, because meekness is, I don't know if if we if we explain it the same way you're explaining it right now, mm. I would just I would just see how how sometimes I'm meeker. So because it has to be consistent. Yes. I I see my inconsistency and I fear for my life. Wow. <laughs> yeah, well, like it's a journey. God will help us. Amen. Yes. Amen. God will help I, us. I don't know how we can, how can we really, really stay in that weakness? Where, because it's very, it's very difficult not to fight back or not yes. to. Yes. 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 I mean, like you said, 
there are times that you just don't need to talk because if you talk you have drawn back the hands of you know whatever the lord is doing at that time yes i have to start from from zero so yes. i'm looking at my life and i'm looking at family i'm like there are times that come on, I, I don't keep quiet though i just let yes. me just say what's what i think that what do you think that's your hair you know what it just draws back that meekness. I can't say that. That meekness, to be honest, if I were to score myself, like, one of our traits, wow. to be honest. Yes. 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 Praise how God. can we be consistent? How can we be consistent? Is by coming to understand the, I don't know the word, the value of it. When I mean value, now I know how we can understand the value of an SUV. When you can understand the value of gold, if you can, if God can open your eyes to see the treasure called meekness, the what he actually the treasure called meekness, it will change your mind. I I have a very kind of practical. I I can't give all the details. Amen. I can't give all the details, but close to recently, an incident happened, and it's something that normally. I would respond to. I would respond to it. But something with me was just to keep quiet. And by the time I looked at the matter, the thing was very glaring. You get it? It's you know, those kind of things. It's very glaring. Like, I mean, there's not, no argument. <laughs> there was something wrong done. But something just... I just let it go. Keep quiet. Painful though, but just let it go. Not knowing that weeks ahead, something was coming or something, some kind of plan was coming involving that person. That if I had responded, I would have scattered that plan. And that plan was a blessing, was a good thing for me. Hmm. Yes. I would have scattered the thing. And I don't know plan. I don't know, you know, about it was later enough to know about, okay, this is, and that thing was to benefit me. But at the hour where the incident happened, I did not know. So I could have just, I was right. I felt justified to respond because it was a glaring error. Mm-hmm. Then, so this is also a reset. I was just seeing it. I was like, hi. So I could have missed this blessing. Even in my justification, firing back. Answering back. So I now began to learn that if you are not sure, it's better not to not to say anything. I don't know if I'm blessing somebody. But it means when what Christ is is that Christ is your default position. Christ is what? Is your default position. Your default position is not to talk back. Your default position is to be meek. Your default position is to be lowly, humble. Your default position is to forgive. In fact, always that one. Your default position is not to keep malice. Always. By default. Now, let it now be that the Lord instructs you, okay, you may say this. I think you can talk now. Your default position is to be temperate. Now, I'll let me make it very practical. Maybe in the in the situation of a family, a husband and a wife. Sometimes, 
Even just knowing that, okay, yes, this thing I have to say is very true and it's very clear. Sometimes it's wisdom to just keep quiet for a day so that you can really think it out first. Because it's not just about saying it, it's also about how you say it. The tone by which you say it. So you will find out that a lot of the time, if you if you say something in anger, even though you are right and you are saying the right thing, it will go to the other side in the wrong way. Very right. Yes. But if you give it two days to just ruminate more, first of all, those two days, time always tells the truth. Time will actually tell you whether you are really right or not. Number one. The second thing is that time will fine-tune how you present your case to the spouse. Very true. Yeah. Pastor James, I have a question. Yes, please. (laughs) So does it mean we don't have to fight back? Maybe the word is not fight, or does it mean we don't have to respond? But like you said, you said if God is leading us to respond, I know when when you are hot and you want to respond, just know that it's not God that is leading you, that you just refuse your flesh. But at times when you don't respond to some certain things, people take you for fool, which is fine. But mm-hmm. I feel, I don't know, God will help me in particular. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> because for me, if somebody wrong me, you know, as a day odds, I yes. like, let me give you right here and here. If yes. I give you five minutes, I might change my mind. Let me just answer you back now, now. Yes, <laughs> yes. Is it? <laughs> God, God will help us, too. <laughs> yes. You know, the conclusion is that it's better for you to be a married fool than a separated wise person. Mm. Yes, it's more advantageous. It's mm. more blessed. So, if by default you have to be a fool, be the fool, and then you will see that over time, God will also begin to give you judgment of what to say. Sometimes it could even be that you be the fool in this matter, in this situation. Now, and then you'll be praying. Oh. Now, I'm thanking God, as uh, some of you, you are not married devils. They are children of God, so God can reach them. So while you are praying, God is reaching them. Then you will find out that another situation will come in the future. Where God would have arranged that situation so that you can also talk. And you can address two, two issues in one. Yeah, at the same time. Yes, sir. God will open that door. Yeah. And you'll be able to solve two issues at once. I have a question, sir. Yes, go ahead, Ian. I, I, I get what you're saying, and we all need, God, need God's help. But I just wanted to put a balance here, like in other relationships, if you're saying that the default is never to respond, would that not be enabling somebody's bad behavior? For example, say in a work environment and somebody's talking wrongly to you, is it wrong mm-hmm. to teach people how to treat you? Like, if I'm gonna do what you said and mm-hmm. always have that default behavior. Am I not enabling that person? Mm-hmm. And I'm well, allowing yes. them to cross me and feel me with bitterness when I can talk them and set them in order. I'll set them in order. <laughs> <It's> <laughs> God. I know, I know, right? This, ah, this is the meat of Christ. This is the meat of Christ. This is where the wisdom comes in play. Now Sometimes, I, I, I kid you not, sometimes when you set the person in order, you would have woken another serpent in the person. 
the person can even become worse. And you will create even more future problems for yourself. Now, sometimes it's also good to set the person in order and, you know, talk when it's glaring. Now, but when you are setting the person in order, in quotes, you don't do it the same time because you are angry. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Anything done in anger can trigger. It's, it's like a multiply effect. Right. Evil multiplies. If somebody did you evil, and you shoot back with like a serpentine talk back to the person, do you get me? You've multiplied evil. Right. Uh huh. And when you are angry, talking, you you are not everything you say would be when you when you go hindsight twenty twenty. You always find out that there are some things that you, didn't, you should not have said. Because you said it in anger. That's why the advice is to keep calm. Be meek. Be patient. Absorb it. Ruminate on it. When your judgment will now come. Amen. So, in a situation of a work, work setting, is, it could be that you, for example, let me give you an example. Let's say somebody is like that to me, look, maybe saying wrong things, almost abused. I will take note of it, but I may not say anything. And watch. If the person does it a second time, I'll take note of it. I will not say anything. And watch. The third time, I can have the judgment to go to my boss and bring it up. Now you have record because you are taking note of it. That's the wisdom. Do you get me? Because that is an official, is a work setting. Amen? And that means that maybe the time has come to address it. Now, let's see Second Peter. Peter was talking about some of these attributes. And one that stands out here in this, this particular discussion we're talking about uh, is temperance. That's the word I'm looking for. Let's see. Second uh, Peter chapter 1. Second Peter chapter one, from verse five, I read. And beside this, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, and to virtue knowledge, and to knowledge temperance, and to temperance patience. Are you seeing? So the, actually, what Peter was describing was the the signs of growth in Christ. Before a man can become patient, he must first be temperate. Yeah. And before a man can become godly, he must first be patient. So, one thing that Christ's knowledge will first do for you is tell you to cool your temper, to be temperate. Temperate means doesn't mean that you will not respond. Temperate means you will be temperate in your response. That you will first calm down, judge the thing well, whether you should respond now at all or not. Something that is even higher than temperance is patience. Patience is a higher temperance. What does patience do? Patience will tell you not to respond. And just leave it like that. You you don't know how how powerful that thing is. When I mean leave it like that, what will happen is that you will leave it like that. But after a few days, an opportunity will arise. I've seen it happen too many times. Where sometimes you will leave a matter. And when you, when I say leave the matter, not as though you haven't planning that you revisit it. In your heart, you just feel like, let me just wait and see the end of the matter, not do anything yet. 
What happens is that while you have left the matter, is that same concept of stress and not able to mental block, not able to think right. While you have left the matter, the Holy Ghost is working inside you. Your judgment of Christ is also working. By a time, by yourself, after a day or two, I kid you not, it has happened to me so many times. Wisdom of how to address the matter will come. And how to address it properly. So yes, actually, the highest, when you, as you go higher in Christ, the increased demand of not talking back. That's why they say charity, which is the height of Christ, is long-suffering. It's like a patient thing. But we may not be there yet. It's okay. So why don't we start with temperance? Be tempered in your response. If you are going to say something out of anger, don't say it at all. Wait until you've thought about it. How do I respond? How do I present it that you've wronged me? Say to your spouse or to a coworker, you've wronged me, you've done something wrong, but without seeming as though I am angry. Amen. That's, we can start with that one. Amen. To be more measured, to be more temperate in our responses. One to another, to our spouses that are within family members at workplaces. Am I saying something good? Oh, yes. Yes, yes. Uh, yes. very much. <laughs> <laughs> and what I am saying is blessing. Mm, yeah. Now, let me now tell you something. Even if that maybe your spouse, your husband is a bad boy and takes advantage of your weakness, there's one problem. The boy is in trouble. God is in his house. <laughs> Why is God in his house? His wife opened the door for God by obeying God, by keeping quiet. So God will be looking at the man. I'm not talking about doing anything bad, though, but God will be looking at the man. And that man's heart, so, you know, so there are some men sometimes that their heart cannot rest until they do something. You know, God, God has only before to in the Bible. You see, God can just arrest a man's heart. <laughs> Should I show you Esther? Queen Esther. Queen Esther. Remember this story? The Jews were about to be killed. Were about to be. The edict has gone from him. Esther went to her husband, the king. She knows, he said, I have something to tell you. <laughs> the husband said, okay, what is it? The king. Esther said, no, don't worry. Tomorrow, I'll come to the dining. I'll cook. I'll now tell you what I have to tell you. <laughs> God, read your Bible. The man did not sleep that night. When, when your spouse comes in and says, ah, no, don't worry. This tomorrow, we'll discuss the thing. Your mind, I think, why can't we discuss it now? <laughs> Are you seeing the wisdom of Esther? She saved the Jewish people with wisdom and humility. So we had to say, I will come and prepare meal for you tomorrow, and I will tell you. Almost like I can't even, almost exalt, you are my king, you are my lord. I can't even come and just tell you anyhow. 
I will tell you in an arranged way. So, the king Ahasuerus, <laughs> at the middle of the night, he called his servants, said, go and bring all the record of the books. <laughs> he, wanted to, he wanted to go and study to find out what has gone wrong. Something must be wrong somewhere. And then he now began to study all night. Then he now found out that Mordecai had done something for Persia. Saved him uh, with uh, Mordecai. Remember earlier in the Esther, Mordecai exposed the plot to assassinate the king. And uh, the king now said, so nobody has repaid Mordecai for this. So he sent forth that in the morning they should send forth for Mordecai. So that they can repay him. And that's how Mordecai joined the meeting of the next day. The Holy Ghost was also behind the whole arrangement. King Ahasuerus does not know that God was in his palace through Esther. He was not in control. So are you seeing how through a meek and a quiet spirit with wisdom, a woman was actually the one in control of the king? There's one thing men like is sleep. If they cannot sleep, ah, there's trouble. So you will see that there is an additional factor that we have not factored in to this behavior. Holy Ghost. And he's real. So while you are acting out in Christ, praise the name of the Lord, while you are behaving like a Christ, wherever, in your home, that's a very great example, the Holy Ghost will not just allow you to be taken advantage of forever. He will use that thing, that's your humility, to save the spouse over time. And then sometimes he will use also the spouse's toughness to make you more a Christ. One of the quickest places to learn how to grow in Christ <laughs> is marriage. I know Pastor Tosi was talking, talking about the Belarus Convention. Because once you marry, you now have in-laws. It's not just your spouse now. You now have a whole lot of new people that can anger you, that can annoy you, that can train you, give you opportunities to show temperance, opportunities to be patient, opportunities to be meek. Oh, praise the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. So some of these opportunities sometimes, maybe someone will bring, I know there was a time when I was in one church, I was in church, there was a brother who was a leader then of the youth this thing. Ha! So that I felt the guy not like me. Walk, just be giving me walk. Walk. <laughs> and then I know who know Christ too much. But Holy Ghost was the one instructing me to be bearing it. To be bearing it. So people always say that there's one tenacity I have. I think that's why I learned it from there. To just be bearing, bearing it. I was running, it was almost like I was the event of everything of the place. Amen? Without recognition. But Holy Ghost was kept culturing me to be bearing it, to be bearing it, to be carrying it, to be bearing it. So then I wasn't liking the guy. But later when I came to understand the kind of jewels that was being imputed in me as a result of that suffering, I went to go and thank him. 
because I came to appreciate the strength, the inner man's strength I was receiving. He said he will strengthen you with might by his spirit. How he does that might is take you through some pressure that will force you to bear. That bearing is might. Might is not that you have muscle. Might is the ability to suffer long. It takes might. Might is ability to wait when nobody else is waiting. It takes might. Might is ability to forbear, stretch. It takes might. And you can't learn how to forbear more if God does not send you some problematic folks who would infuse the forbearance as a result of they are annoying you. This thing is salvation. This is how they save us. So sometimes, by you even speaking back, you are getting rid of your instrument of salvation. As I'm saying it, I don't speak, evil spirits are saying, this thing you are saying, man, <laughs> these people, <can't laughs> this thing you are saying is too hard to say. No, this is the Christ way. This is how it's done. God sends brothers. Sometimes it's even I'm in, I'm your brother and sister in church. Bro. They will just they just be difficult to wait. And heaven just sent you help. You don't know it. You won't see it like help. James saw it like help. In James chapter 1, count it all joy. He called it, count it all joy. When you fall into diverse manners of temptation, trials. For the trial of your feet, what kept patience? I see it starts with feet. You will see the virtues here. It started with feet. Patience is the higher virtue. The yeah. trial of your feet, what kept patience? Let patience have a perfect work in you that you may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. This is how God grows also. Uh, and his blessing. I want you to say it is blessing. Help me. It is blessing. Uh-huh. Blessing. <sighs> it is blessing. This is how God saves us. For example, let's read that James chapter one. There's one way. There's some, let me take it from another angle. This is an angle of lost wants. Amen. Let me take it from that angle. This is how God helped me to teach me that James chapter one. That's another angle. One angle is dealing with offenses. Amen. We've, we've talked about it a bit. Another angle is dealing with lost wants. Amen. And we can address so uh, this. Uh, uh, where did I say we should go again? James. James. Yes. James chapter one. Somebody help me read verse two and three. My friend. I hope people will still like me after this message, you. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Amen. Go ahead. Chapter verse 2. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. The verse 4. Read verse 4 as well. But let patience have a perfect work, that it may be perfect and entire. Wanting nothing. What's the word there? Wanting nothing. So you can come to a place. Perfection is when you come to a place where you want nothing. It didn't say needing nothing. 
There's difference between need and want. This is how God used to train me. So, there were years in my life where there were things that I thought I needed. And I it felt that, I remember one was very clear, I think it was around December of one year. And I thought I needed it by February. So I gave God the date. Deadline. February 16th. <laughs> Let it be clear. Do you get it? That it needs to show up by this time. God was looking at me and laughing. February 16th came and passed. What happened? I swear. I was talking. Only because I came. Are you dead yet? <laughs> you know when you when you really want something is uh, as long as if you don't get it you will die. So are you dead? Have you died? <laughs> so later you told me, so did you really need it? Did you really need it? The way I presented I presented it as a need. But it was not a need, it was a want. So after a while I learned how to live without the thing. I just said, go well, last last. Hey. <laughs> There's nothing I can't do, let's be going. <laughs> Do you know later that here he brought the thing? I kid you not. Every he did every single time he will bring that thing, but he will bring that thing after you want it no more. When you have overcome it, that's training. When you have come into the inside of your soul, you have come not just by pastor preaching that oh it's not your need. No, in your soul, in the core of your soul, you are coming to the understanding that you actually don't need it to survive. What you need to survive, you have already. You have the Lord God Almighty who has provided all your needs. Needs. Who has supplied all your needs. Needs. According to his riches in glory. But he's a, he's a, he's, you know, God is a cheerful giver. He was he make sure he will still bring the things. So that was that complaint. I say, look at you. Look at this. <laughs> Take the thing I'm going. <laughs> well, no, when I did it, I know I did not bring it. No, I don't need it. You're not bring it. But every single time he will still bring it. To show you, it's not that his hand is short. It's not that he cannot give it. But he wants to train you. He was, he's out, he was loving me. He's actually love. God loves me. But I wasn't seeing it as love at that hour. Not so. His sons are the ones he chastised. Otherwise, you are a bastard. So, when God loves you like that, God wants to get rid you of your lust. Read you of your wants that are not needs, that you have recalculated and redefined as needs. That's a man who is more perfect. Another scenario go now brought to my attention. You use the one maybe money earnings. An example. He was now telling me that which man is stronger? He gave me two examples of a man. Let's call one Lucas and one John. Just for the sake. So Mr. Lucas. You can use the money to explain. So he's earning $90,000 a year. But because of his lusts and wants that are now needs, he has to spend $75,000 a year to maintain his lifestyle. You know, some people are standard. To maintain his life standard. And if, that, if he doesn't spend $75,000, it's almost like his life is finished because there are needs for him. Now, Mr. John... Has been trained. He has no lust. He's earning $40,000 a year. But because of his perfection. Wanting nothing. He only needs to spend $17,000 a year. The Lord now asks me. Who is richer? <laughs> <laughs> he said, who is richer? 
who is most who is stronger? That's the word. Because it's easy. There are many jobs at forty thousand dollars a year. It's easier to find such. So if you are base, if you are bound and you earn ninety, you are still spending twenty because you want nothing. The more the merrier. But if let's say the economy is tough, and the best you can find is forty k, nothing changes. You still want nothing. Are you seeing? That's how God makes you the same. He begins to make you not change. So in season and out of season, you are straight. You are okay. That's a strong man. Whereas, take away the 90K for Mr. Lucas. You see, <laughs> it thought that came to my mind. There was a time where there was downturn. As I hear, somebody lost his job. He now committed to so now kill himself, kill his family. I was like, what? What? Yes, you know, it's, 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 sometimes, it's something that happens in this society sometimes. They call it mother suicide. I don't, I don't get the thing. I was like, ah, last last, you can hustle now. Hustle, do something. They get me. Who would have earned $15 an hour? I was like, I $15 an hour. I tell you, convert it to Naira. You get his money. You are, you are able to at least buy food, buy a few things. Why do you have to now kill your family because you, you lost job? Why? It's because he has standard. The standard is very high and he feels that like he can't get to that standard again because he has lost the job. It's to him, there's no hope. But why the guy was having the job being a corporate guy? People would have thought he was a strong man. Maybe we'll see him with his suit. You would have thought that this guy is a very strong... I want to be like him one day when I grow up. Not knowing that, just take that job from him. You've taken his life. Wow. So really, what was he? Weak. Very weak. So God's training, when he wants, when he loves you, he wants to train you so you will not be dependent on this world. And not that you will not have money, not that you will not go for high paying jobs. You will get them. But it will not change you. Because by nature, you want nothing. You are not a lustful person. Yes. Are you seeing the sense now? The sense of training. It's training, the, training you to put down unnecessary things that you count as necessary. And exalt the needful. Is this a hard message? Is this a hard saying? It's okay, right? Yeah, I think it is. So, Pastor James, say for that I don't consider myself as a lustful person. Or say that I'm this kind of person that say now I maybe I need a car. Mm-hmm. And I'm okay, maybe I'm okay taking the bus. Uh-huh. Right? I'm, I'm okay. I'm not going to cry. I'm not going to hurt myself. Nothing is going to, everyone will not fall down <laughs> if mm-hmm. I'm still taking the bus. But maybe I now say that, you know, if I want to get a car. I don't mind waiting. Be like that, maybe a Sonata that drives itself. Or. That drives know, itself. That drives itself. Maybe ah. I just say, oh, maybe I want. No, I, I mean, maybe not Sonata that drives itself. Maybe I just want, oh, I don't want a 2000 car. 2000 car, yes, like yes. 2014 or 2018. Yes, yes. I mean, if I would even want a car. 
you know, if it's going to come at the end of the day, that I really don't want to be driving any out car. Mm-hmm. If now I don't have car, I'm fine. I'll be entering my bus. I'll be okay. Mm-hmm. But I'm not saying that, oh, eventually, if this thing now wants to come, this is what I really like. Yes. Would you consider that as a loss? <laughs> I would not because really, no. The, the answer, the short answer to that is no. Uh, because what 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 makes what makes up the definition of loss is that the thing is causing you to take action, extra actions that you would not necessarily have done. Okay. Yeah, when it becomes a loss is when you are now you may not have to find you guys are you are now hounding your your spouse, hounding your husband, hounding to bring out money. Mm-hmm. Or when you are now looking to say my job is not sufficient, I need to find a better job because of the car. Are you seeing that? It's the additional actions, the additional instructions that come that make it a loss. But if you are trusting God for it, for it, and you are at peace with it, and you want something nice and something good, it's okay. It's okay to stay in the faith of it and believe for it. Really, what what defines what having a wonderful big house is not a loss. It just it just matters what you the additional things you do to get it. That's what makes it a loss or not. If now before you're working one job and because of the car you have to work a second job, it's lost. If before you're working, even that your one job, before you used to work, maybe you do only about two days of overtime. But now you now have to do Saturday, Sunday overtime. Shift, additional shift over time because of the car, not just because you this you have to work for you know to buy necessities or leave or parents. You get me because of you want to buy a brand new car, it is a loss. Why? Because the additional Saturday, Sunday is taken away from God. That's all. That's why. So, in your heart, you'll be sincere, you'll be able to judge it. What actions am I taking? That will not normally take, amen, to get this car, to get this house. That's what defines whether it's lost or not. And the way you've, you've presented it, you, you, say you want the car. It's not that it's a need. Sometimes cars can be need sometimes because of some jobs demand you have a car. It's a need. But own your wants. It's when they say wanting nothing, does not mean you will not have your wants. That you need to understand what when God talks, God is really talking about hearts. What heart pants for? You can want a car and your heart is not panting after it, meaning lusting after it. Because what you pant for, you begin to take some additional steps towards. Exactly. That makes sense. Yeah, it does. Yeah. Praise God. I, I believe we've, we've dived, we've dived Pastor dive James. deep. Go ahead. I, I want to ask a follow-up question, sir. Yes. Because I feel like, for me, I struggle with the balance where it's not like I really want something, but it's more of God now saying, I want this thing for you. So let's say that I really desire that you know this is the example we're giving us. I want you really, really wanted it. God didn't give you. Was not let down there, it. Mm-hmm. So maybe um, there is there is um, I'm in a situation like that where oh, I really wanted something, 
But over time, I just don't want it anymore. But then I'm not feeling oh, God wants me to, like, God wants to bring this thing. And some of those things, there are things that you have to, like, um, work for. And when I say work for, it's not like, um, like, take extra hours at work or anything. It's more like, oh, maybe you have to submit an application. Okay. And you, you want to put excellence into it. Yeah. I know that God wants you to do it. But there's just that thing of, if you really want something, there is a way you put your passion and energy into something. Yeah. And you want to give me your best. But if you want to say something that's pushing you, be like, oh my goodness. And another thing I feel like I struggle with is not the gratitude. Because I feel like when I really, really want something and God does it, can I do it? Thank God then. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> but when I don't want it anymore, maybe that's the time that God wants to bring it. And I'm even struggling in my heart like, oh God, are you sure you're the one that really wants to give me this thing? And it's it's more like if I feel like at some point it's better to correct me that um if he wants to give me something I should be grateful mm-hmm. and I should not start fighting it as if it's worldly something or mm-hmm. anything. So I don't feel like I really struggle with that balance. Yes. 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 It's one of it's part of growth process. It's part of growth process because a time will come, maybe when you begin to journey further and further, where when you are you've f- come into or fallen more in love with the Lord. That you will come to a place where everything he wants is what you want for yourself. You become yeah. to that appreciation. So there's one thing that I'll just say. When you, the, the Bible says in James chapter five verse eleven, when about Job, it says Job saw the end of the Lord, that he is what he is pitiful and of tender mercy. When you've come to understand God as that, anything he says is good. When you know the person that is saying it. It's God will not know the better. Like, maybe he's a harsh person. He doesn't want this from him. He doesn't know, no. Even the thing I just explained in James chapter 1. Is that not salvation? The, those examples of John and Lucas. Are you not stronger when you are a John? When by nature you want nothing. So you see that it's even a good thing. What God was, what dealings that God brings away is even a good thing. If you can see it that way. So a time will come as you journey. When, you, when God is wanting something for you. And it's becoming more glaringly, glaringly clear. Ah, that is what I want for myself. If I can just pick, if this is what God wants for me. And you have to test it, right? Make sure that, okay. But if it's become clear, then that's, you should take it up as what I also want for myself. That's how you begin to put him on. You begin to wear him. By wearing what his thoughts. What he wants for you. His intent. Thoughts and intent. You know, we have thoughts and intent of your heart. God also has yes, thoughts sir. and intent. Yes, sir. So, as He's revealing His thoughts to you and His intentions for you, put them on as your mm. own. Uh-huh. Mm. It's a process, it's not easy. But, uh-huh. yes, so, one thing, so when you, you are, it's clear this is what God wants. The way I'll do that application, I'll do it as do I, this is my own thing. Yes, the way sometimes I handle God's ministry, people think I'm too... It's not because I even care about ministry. <laughs> I don't care about ministry. It's that this is God. When I, you know, I'm that kind of thing. I'm very passionate about it. When I see... This, this, you remember we were reading Ephesians chapter 2? That we will build us up. Construction project. Temple. Build us up as a temple of the Lord. Then a habitation of God through the Spirit. I saw it. I was like, ah! Hey! <laughs> I will give my everything for it. I will do it excellently. Mm. 
So you now be as though it will sometimes you now appear as though I love ministry. No, <laughs> I love God, and God is building souls. Yes. Yes. Go ahead. Yeah. Um, I was just thinking. Like when Fulake may ask a question, like the way I can relate to it, maybe minutely, is in the sense of, uh, maybe not like. Is in the sense of accepting certain responsibilities or like accepting, I don't know what word to use it, but maybe, maybe I don't know if it's responsibility or some sort of, some type of entitlement or something like that. And I find that sometimes, you know, because I know my natural tendencies, you know, you know, like repetition and things like that. So I'm trying to work against it. Mm-hmm. And then. It gets to a point where you know certain things are making me clearer, clearer to me that no, this is this is where I should be, or this is what I should be doing, or this is kind of I don't know what words to use, but this is I should accept certain things, and then in my mind I'm like you know then and I don't know if I now fall into false humility or like putting myself down on purpose, and I don't know like you okay. know just that that balance of trying to you know accept. What's what you what I believe God is trying to bring me into or something, yes. and also trying not to be proud or like trying not to be, you know, to take on the negative, the negative um attitudes. Okay, negative. So almost like um, if I understand you correctly, that when if God is wanting to do something through you, uh, or for you, uh, you want to be able to accept it. But then there are some attachments that come with that. Is am I correct? I'll try and explain. Yeah, maybe something like that. But yeah, yeah, because I, because I, like I don't know. Because I'm trying to work against my own natural tendencies, and sometimes in the moment, especially when I, I begin to think more and more clearly that okay, this is probably God. Then in my heart, my heart, I become afraid because okay. I'm scared of falling into, you know. How I can be, how you can be, it comes with grace, and I don't exactly find it immediately. But then there's also fear, and then I'm trying to be, I don't know. Balance. So, isn't like almost like maybe the natural tendencies? I'm trying to understand what the natural tendencies is. The natural tendency is to right. carry about, try and carry about God's thing by yourself. Is that is that it? By myself, by, yeah, I okay. feel like I'm, I'm a great human being. Oh, and then you now clap for yourself after you've done it. <laughs> so yeah, I have done it. Yeah, okay, okay. I, I get that. I get that. Okay. Um Yeah, that 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 gap that that thing is is just that one is also another kind of growth. In 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 another that's another angle of growth. Amen. Because if God wants something for you and you, it's been confirmed, amen. Um, in every, in, to bring about the fruition of what God wants, many a times, takes two to tango. Can two work together except they agree? So many a times, there's a role for you to play sometimes in it. Not all the time, but sometimes. There's a role for you to play inside it. And then there's a role that God will play inside it. But at the end of the day, all the glory goes to God, not so. So, um, it means that it's a growth that you have to learn. It's still, a, it's still a portion in loneliness or in humility where you're able to give God all your energies. And after you've given God all your energies, still give, give glory to God. 
And uh, sorry, I'm using this example, but you find that it's uh, many times uh, in husband and wife situation. It's right biblically. Even though sometimes maybe the wife will be the breadwinner, making money, you see some wives they will give all their money to their husband. It's almost the sense that they've done a lot of work, but when people want to praise the family, especially the husband, they will go to. Sorry, I'm just using that example. But you see the concept that to God, all the glory must be to God. Even though both of you, it feels like you had a hand, amen, in supporting or uh, doing your part to bring about that purpose or to bring about whatever it is, that instruction um, that God has given you. So is there another is another learning in in humility and in and in meekness uh, of allowing God take the take the glory, Amen. I hope I've helped a little bit. I've helped some of you a little bit. I know there may still be questions in some hearts, Lieutenant. I haven't heard from you. Are you taking this? Uh, uh, we call it basketball of today. Yeah. <laughs> Are you taking the understanding of today? Amen. Or dummy? Praise God. Can you hear me? Amen. Yes, we can hear you a little bit. The volume yes. is a bit low. Thanks. Can you hear me now? Yes. Excellent. Yes, I'm I'm paying attention. Praise God. Paying attention and being blessed. Yes. Is he entering? Well, <laughs> to, to the glory of God. <laughs> That's another discussion, I mean. <laughs> Praise God. Well, this is where the rubber meets the road when it comes to Christ. I kid you not. I lie not to you. These attributes, these natures are precious stones. You may not see it fully right now. Oh my God. They are precious stones one thing they do is that they make you stronger on the inside if so who are able to bear many things you is you people can tell you have stature i don't know if i'm communicating people can tell you have stature you know you know sometimes maybe you know as maybe young ladies who are looking for men or husbands or you know you can have a guy who is tall fine after you just have some conversations with him, you don't know he's, he's low. He's not in inside. He's scanty. But then you have some who, they're not going to be tall, but they have stature. They have, you see, a solidity. Fairness. Not wrong one, but a solidity out of sufferings of Christ. That thing is, is a stony nature. That's the, you know that building project we've been talking about from Ephesians chapter 2? That is the building. Stature. And stature only comes through the experiential sufferings of forgiving when you've been hurt. Not keeping malice when you, you are rightfully should keep malice. Keeping quiet at times when it's very glaring that you should talk. Being temperate at all times. Having silent the skill of being patient in life. You are stretching your soul. You are actually expanding the capacity, the carrying capacity weight of your soul. Such souls God can entrust things to. They will be faithful. 
they will not scatter his work. <laughs> Praise God. They will not scatter. Is it? I'll just say, I love suffering. I love it. I feel you can put me in the desert, I'll survive. I'll, everyone knows me well. <laughs> we drink water, eat sand, we'll be okay. Because why? I've come to understand that there's a time and season for everything. The season will pass. You know, there's this, there's this phrase you might have heard. This too shall pass. Everything passes. I kid you not. You know, sometimes I've had that experience of having a tough co-worker. And they, I used them to learn Christ. When they were not changing... God changed them from the company. <laughs> Something has to change. <laughs> when they were becoming too obstinate, I take a look at it. Before you know it, ah, what's going on? This one, two weeks notice they are gone. Yeah. I've seen just such, such experiences. Or sometimes it won't be that God, that over me, maybe I'm the one who will go to a higher place. Yes. Oh my God, I've seen things. It to me is too clear because of experiences. I've seen situations where if I had reacted the way out of the anger I wanted to react, I would have scattered everything. But because I kept it. When in after it would take me some weeks, months, but after months the thing will solve. Or wisdom. Either the thing will solve itself, or most likely actually God will now give present you with a situation with a wisdom. You will melt the situation. And when let me I, let me tell you the truth. When it is solved by God's arrangement, though you will suffer for a little while, but when it is solved by God's arrangement, it's a permanent solving. Yes. Is it permanent? So sometimes you find out maybe again family, you know, you speak back. That day you have one round one, but boxing doesn't have only one round. Boxing has nine to twelve in your case. <laughs> many, many rounds. <laughs> but you could win the whole boxing match, like Muhammad Ali used to win his boxing matches. Muhammad Ali they will get beaten up. For six, seven rounds. Tired the other guy out. The other guy is throwing, swinging punches all over the place. When the guy is now tired, my family will now start dancing. <laughs> Are you ready now? And he always wins his fights at the end of the fight, the batch. Perseverance. That's what they call him the greatest of all time. It was that skill, that was the wisdom he used. You wait for the right time to talk, the right time to apply yourself, the right time to take action, but never in anger, always in temperance. And many times with patience, you can never go wrong with patience. There's one policy I typically have just for myself, that if maybe my own head have already concluded a matter, but I see that this matter can affect things, potentially, I give it two weeks, I just leave it. 
even though it's very clear, as in uh, there's no, I mean, if it's not a time constrained matter, not so. If the time constraint, maybe it's a today matter, and maybe if the judgment is clear, it means that most times if a time constrained matter is not a massive thing that can affect many things. But if it's a massive thing that can affect many things, and I've already made the decision, I will still leave the decision alone. Let it go and cook more. How does it cook? In your subconscious, it's cooking. You are still judging it with the righteousness you have. Maybe there's still some judgment I missed inside. That's how you come up with best decisions. And high judgment, best decisions, last. They what? They last. Are we blessed in the house today? Ah, we have no this. We haven't entered this religious chapter to enter it, but I'll just read the verses. Amen. I'll just read the verses, and then we'll now see what the same manner of thinking. So we're in verse three. Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Let this mind be in you, which was also, this is the mind, that's what I'm trying to tell you, this was the mind of Christ Jesus. It was a meek mind. It was a low mind. It was a mind that did not even esteem himself. It was a mind that shut his mouth. Excuse me, if Jesus did not shut his mouth, you will not be saved today. Hello? If Jesus not keep quiet, you will not be saved today. When they took him before Caesar, what's, the, what's their name? Caesar, whatever their name is. And they were Pontius Pilate. Yes, and they were questioning him. You know, Jesus would have said one or two things, they would let him go. Pontius Pilate was looking for an excuse to let him go. After he, Jesus not helping. He now talked to the people and said, okay, who do you want, Jesus or Barnabas? Thinking they would choose Barnabas because everybody knows Barnabas is a bad boy. <laughs> okay, last lad. He was looking for a way to get Jesus go. Jesus kept quiet. He opened not his mouth. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter, yet he opened not his mouth. He saved you by not opening his mouth. <laughs> he could have toxic some things because he was innocent. Amen? He could have made his case to Pontius Pilate. And Pilate will see that he is innocent. And let him go. Pilate was not looking to kill him. Let this mind be in you. He knew purpose. He knew your seeing purpose. He was seeing purpose. That's why. Praise the name of the Lord. He was seeing what? He was seeing purpose. So purpose was driving that his behavior. He knew that he would take the righteousness, Christ's life, to get to arrive at purpose. No man can arrive at purpose without doing these things. I'm not talking about career purpose now. Purpose in God, eternal life. No man can arrive at that without doing these things, without being temperate, without being patient, without watching the anger. Without fighting not to keep malice and fighting to forgive quickly and let go. In so doing, you are bounding, bounding your enemies. You know, sometimes there are some enemies who are just looking for an excuse to crucify you. 
looking for an excuse to just finish you. But when you show such kind of things, you keep quiet. When they are, you know, when they're trying to trap trap Jesus, you know, if we're talkatives, like like not like, if if Jesus was like us, who are talkatives, would have already been crucified before our time. That's right. When they, you know, I'm the Son of God. I am God. They now bring me Caesar coin. Who should we pay taxes to? I am God, oh, creator of heaven and earth. Is it to stone them? I'll take, take this. <laughs> <laughs> Who should we pay taxes to? God or this, this is personal? My father. You are talking about my father like that. Who should we pay taxes? God or Caesar? He has to just calm himself down and be temperate. <laughs> See? Whose face is on the coin? As you give unto Caesar what belongs to Caesar, unto God what belongs to God. A season will come where Caesar will seize. We only give to God. So he used wisdom. Praise the name of the Lord. So he said, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, uh, who, being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God. I'm closing. But made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant service are you seeing that service we started with that to live is christ serving god took upon him the form of a servant we are under god we are serving god all our lives should be centered around god yes amen and took upon him uh uh what again took upon him the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he what? He humbled himself. He was a God who not, he found himself as a man. He humbled himself. And became obedient unto death, even death of the cross. I'll stop there for today. We'll continue again in this Philippians chapter 2. I hope we've been blessed. Are you seeing the mind of Christ? This is, I just gave us an introduction into the mind of Christ. This is how Christ thinks. Amen. This is how Christ thinks. Don't forget, he's thinking about stretching life. You know, eternal life, everlasting life. He's living life. Amen. In order to live life, you have to live, learn how to live at peace with all men. That's part of it. Learning how to. So all these things we are teaching is learning how to be a peacemaker. So that you can arrive at purpose. You can arrive at pleasure to God. Being a peacemaker. Learning the skill of peacemaking. Yes. Learning the skill of peacemaking. Praise the name of the Lord. Learning how to put out fires. Anger fires. Praise God. They will elongate your life. They will make you stronger inside. They will stretch your life. On the other end, you will see greater purpose. Oh my God, this is beautiful. This is the jewels of God. These Christ, they call him the unsearchable riches of Christ. These are indeed, these are the jewels of God. May God grant us sight to see it as though. As such. In the mighty name of Jesus. Father, we thank you tonight. We give you praise. We exalt your holy name. Thank you for how... You have helped us greatly tonight. Ah, pai sheteya, venekupai, aprekatumba tijia, venekisaya, menekefeto, genefetaya, brakisheteye, makijenaya, madada patijia, eshiya pediya sataya, eshiya lavadiosi gediya sataya. 
Bless your people. Bless us, uh, everyone who is hearing me today. Bless them, O oh God, with Christ. Bless them with understanding, seeing the purity, seeing the adornment, uh, putting on a meek, a quiet spirit, putting on meekness and lowliness, putting on temperance. May we all be temperate in all things. May we all be temperate in all things. May we learn to cool temper. May we learn to cool temper. May we all be temperate in all things. In the mighty name of Jesus, you will help us. So that we can arrive at destiny. So that we can arrive at God. So that we can arrive at purpose. So that we can arrive when God cometh. So that we have not shortchanged ourselves before the appearing of our Lord Jesus. Help us, my Father. Grant us grace. Even as we Christians, even as a people, as a body. Grant us grace to learn Christ more. To grow in Christ more. To be a Christ more. In the mighty name of Jesus, we are prayed. Amen. 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 Hallelujah. Amen. Glory to God. Amen. Thank you for joining me again and enduring with me in this world of righteousness. This Christ. You dwells between the cherubim, shine forth. You dwells between the cherubim, shine forth.